Matthew chapter 3, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now, John himself was clothed in camel's hair, and a leather belt was around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. And Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Why are you here? Can you imagine that? Why would you come to church? I mean, you're not serious. So why are you here? Now that's not me saying that to you. That's John the Baptist saying that to those guys. So if that hurt a little bit, that wasn't me saying that to you. Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not think to say to yourselves, because they probably were just thinking this. <laughs> do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I say to you, God is able to raise up children of Abraham from these stones. Now watch this. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water under repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He's not done. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So he comes out of the chute, and his message is, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he's obviously preaching prior to Calvary. So there's an aspect of the kingdom of heaven that isn't quite there yet, as now. There's a theological thing called the already but the not yet. So we have the kingdom of heaven, but there's some of it we don't have. If you don't believe that, then you won't be going to any more funerals. There's an aspect of the kingdom of heaven that is a not yet. And at that time, before the cross, they had the kingdom of heaven. As a matter of fact, all the way back in the Old Testament, they had the kingdom of heaven. There was a now, but a not yet. And so he's announcing something, the kingdom of heaven. There's an aspect of it that's here now. And... Jesus is going to preach the same message uh, in, in uh, Matthew chapter 4. He's going to begin his preaching with this. From that time he began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The first message that's going to be preached on the day of Pentecost in the church is going to be, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of sins. And so... It's all about the kingdom of heaven. But the response is the same 
in each place, and that is this, that you repent, confess, be baptized, and receive the king. Now, when I have preached here lately, and everywhere else I've preached, so don't take it personally, but then again, take it very personally. I've been preaching about the danger of false conversion. The danger of of you sitting in a church for years and you don't know Christ. Talking about those who want in without going all in. Those who want a Savior but don't want a Lord. Those who build their house on the sand and not on the rock. They believe the stories, but faith is not believing in God. Faith is believing God. I've been drawing attention to this. Those to whom he will say, I never knew you, depart from me. And, and it's a surprise to them. Do you understand that, that from the portals of heaven is where most will be then sent to hell? And it will be a surprise to them. I think that's the thing that we don't really get out of Matthew chapter 7 is that, no, they, they really are shocked that he's saying to them, I never knew you. Are you tracking with me so far? <clears throat> and some of you have, have talked to me. <laughs> One day my wife, uh, she was doing something. I don't remember. It was something spiritual. And, um, <laughs> and I said, what are you doing? She said, I'm just, I'm just, and we started this conversation. She said, I don't want to be, now this is, the senior pastor of Meredith's wife. This is the Bruce's wife saying this, all right? She said, I don't want to be one of those that gets to the throne of God and hears, I never knew you. I said, wow. She said, I know. I said, no, for real, because I preach it, but I don't want to be that either. And there's others of you who come to me and, and, and this, is the, this is the interaction I'm getting. The, sometimes when you preach now, I wonder if I'm saved. And my response, and some of you know this, has been, you know, that's okay sometimes. That's okay sometimes for you to go, whoa, I wonder, because we, we are called to examine ourselves whether we be in the faith. We are called to make our calling an election, sure. But then I've said to each of you, if that's happening every time I preach, that's your issue. <laughs> and you probably need to deal with it. Hello. And so, I want to help you today. I'm here to help you today. And you're not going to like the help. But it will help you. How many know medicine, you don't always like it. But it will help you. And uh, the doctor, a while back I was struggling with something. 
still working through all these recovery issues and, and said, well, I'm going to put you on this thing that I've had you on in the past. And, and I looked at him. He said, I know, I know you hate it. And you always tell me it doesn't work. And it always does. And so I want to help you today, all right, with a little medicine, the baptism of fire. Because, I, again, I'm okay with you sometimes sitting and going, I wonder if I even know him. And, and, and examining yourself. But I don't want you to just stay at that place. If there's a way to know, and First John, I would encourage you to read First John. First John is clear that there is a way for us to be assured that we are in Him. And, and so, yes, there's some that are sh- sure they are and they're not. But, but that's what we've been talking about. You, you have to go through the steps. You have to approach Him the way. It's not... It's not Repeat a prayer. No, you you repent and absolutely give your loyalty to the king. We're clear on that, right? He is the king. He's, he's not Savior if He's not Lord. And you, you absolutely repent and give your loyalty to Him and put your faith and trust absolutely in Him and rely no more on your own works or your own righteousness, but it's all in Him. And and then when you do that, then is there a way then when I have doubt for me to know? Yeah, you're just not going to like the way much. (laughs) All right? How do you know that you know Him? Because the Bible talks about revealings. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12, Paul says, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. Everyone say fire. And, and the fire will test each one's work. I think after today, we won't have to worry about you singing fire songs anymore. You'll be afraid to. <laughs> and... And we've always sang fire songs, but about 25 years ago, I started being nervous about them. Because I wondered if we, were, if we were clear what we were asking for. Because it would be revealed by fire, and the fire will test, everyone say test, each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. And if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. And so he's talking here about ministry endeavors, about laboring in the Lord. So this here, he's not talking about a saved or lost issue. He specifically tells us that. But it does give us an insight here about how things get tried in the kingdom including you. They get tried by fire. Everyone say fire. Send the fire. (laughs) And some of you 
if you really have doubts about whether you know the Lord, you really do need to pray for fire. All right? I want to know, and and this is, you know, he's talking about rewards at the end of the age and the fire is going to declare it and all. But you know what? When it comes to do I know the Lord, I want to know now. Mike Bickle uh, says it this way. He says, God, shock me now. Don't shock me later. Amen? How many would rather have the Holy Spirit through his convicting power shock you today? and make you feel suddenly lost and undone and hopeless and know that you don't know Him rather than have that encounter standing before the throne of God when it's too late. So don't you dare leave and go to some church that will tell you all you got to do is pray a little prayer and you're in it doesn't matter what kind of a whoremonger you are after that. Don't you dare do that. You'll have all eternity to regret that. I'm not saying you've got to go here, but you have to go somewhere where they preach the truth. And the truth is that you must repent and turn to God with all your heart. And the truth is that there will be many, everyone say many, There will be many that will stand there before him in that day and they will be shocked and stunned when he says to them, depart from me. And they go, no, no, we prophesied. We cast out demons. We healed people. I want to say fear. You know, I've it's it's interesting. There's two things you can't talk about on Facebook without getting the charismatics up in arms. Wrath and fear. Well, there's there's no such thing as the wrath of God. I don't know. Acts chapter 2 says some people are still storing it up. I mean, not Acts 2, Romans 2. They're storing it up. And as far as fear, and this is this is the response when you post anything about the fear of the Lord. It's, well, you know, brother, that just means respect. Really. Tell that to Ananias and Sapphira. <laughs> is that what it meant? When they fell over dead, they took him out and buried him and said, great respect for the Lord came on all the church. And none of the rest dared join them because they didn't want to respect the Lord. No. People were afraid to visit church. The only ones that would come was the ones the Lord added to the church as they got saved. Nobody else would visit. You could not get a visitor to come to church. Why? Because people died in the services. It's crazy to say the fear of the Lord is just respect. No, it's not. It's fear. We're the only culture in all of history to believe that. That is just respect. Your generation 
in America is the only culture of Christians in history to ever believe that the fear of the Lord was just respect. Might you be wrong? Or is everybody else throughout history that knew him, that labored in revival, and that turned the whole world to him, were they wrong? John said, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they're of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So somebody is going to reveal it. And we talked about this. Remember he said, there were some who said they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out that they might be manifest that none of them were of us. And, and this was the grid. In a day when, when kings were martyring them. I've been reading a little bit in Fox's Book of Martyrs this week. And how many vote getting burned at the stake's a bad deal? And how many would rather be beheaded? Yeah. And I've always thought getting burned at the stake was just a bad deal. And then I read this story a few weeks ago about uh, when they burned one guy and, you know, it, it said it took six hours for him to die. And I thought, wow, boy, they messed that up, you know. And then I started reading this week, and guess what? That was more the norm. I always pictured it, you know, you got 60 seconds of torturous pain where you're screaming out, into thy hands I commit my spirit, and then it's over and you're with Jesus. No, five and six hours slowly roasting to death. And some of them, for six hours, they said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. That's revealing something by fire, isn't it? <clears throat> but it, it, it looked the same. And... and but some of these guys, you know, I've told you the stories. They were using them as human candles in, in Nero's halls and, and feeding them to animals and all these things. And in that environment, with all that going on, anyone who walked away from the Lord, John said two things. First of all, we didn't know they weren't of us, which is scary. because he's, he's, he's one of the big dog apostles. He's one of the twelve. And he goes, we didn't know they weren't of us. Isn't that amazing? So those of you that are trying to, yeah, I've been hearing what you're saying, preacher. I'm looking around this church trying to figure out who's for real and who's not. You won't figure it out, probably. But secondly, in that environment, people walking away from God in that environment, he said, yeah, they were never of us. If they had been of us, they would have remained with us. The reason they went out was to show they weren't of us. And then I think about our culture, our American Christian culture, where people walk away from God 
for 40 years because they got mad at somebody at church. And I just got one thing to say. They were not of us. I, I said that to the youth when I preached to them a few weeks ago. I said, you know, the statistics say that, you know, 70% when you get out of high school are going to walk away from God. So let me tell you what that means. 70% of you are not even saved. And you've been in this youth group for years. Preaching the Bible. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, Hebrews 6.1, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptism, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permit. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. For the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs that are useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and briars, it is, it is, it is rejected and near to being cursed. What am I saying? That you never have a bad day or week or like Craig Rogers says, of the devil some days. I'm not saying that. But but there's first John talks about continuing in sin. We all lose our minds sometimes and act like idiots. But do you continue in that? Do you walk away? I, I want to go out in the world and do my thing, and I want to do this, and I want to experience this, and there's time for God later. Yeah, well, you don't know him. So when you come back, don't come back and say, oh, I was a Christian when I was a kid, but I backslid, and now I'm back. No, say it like it was. I never knew him. Not a single day of my life have I ever known him. I just say that to people now because when they say, oh, I walked away, but I came back, I say, well, you either didn't know him then or you don't know him now. Because you, 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 can't, you can't do that. Something is going to reveal it. The, the rains will come, beloved. This, the floods will come. The wind will blow. They will beat on the house, and it will fall. And, and that, was John's, that was John's perspective. So, anyway, you should be sufficiently scared to death right now of any thought of walking away from God. <laughs> uh, it was a brother, Tenney, used to say, uh, uh, 
Tommy Tenney's dad used to say, how could they bear the stink on the ark for over 400 days because of the storm on the outside? <laughs> There's a storm on the outside, so I can put up with the stink on the inside. Church may stink at times. Hello. There may be, they may, they may put down the wrong color carpet. All of these crucial, critical things that are worth walking away from God for, I know. All of that. But there's a storm out there. So, <laughs> you see what I put this week? I, I put up with the church in hopes that it'll get better. This is what one of the reformers said. Hoping that they will also put up with me in hopes that I'll get better. Amen? Church is full of hypocrites, and you're probably one. So calm down, humble yourself, and walk with God. Amen? My, my older sister, who was an astute theologian, used to say, it takes one to know one. Hello. What is the baptism of fire? Now, as good Pentecostals, we think we know. And we always, we always combine the two. It's a baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. Holy Ghost and fire. Actually, it's almost like that's the third person of the Trinity. Holy Ghost and fire. We're baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire. But are those the same thing? And we sing about it, we talk about it, we preach about it, we pray for it. In the altar, my wife was reminding me of that this morning when I told her I was preaching. Along. Yeah, you go down through the altar, fire, 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 fire. And I don't want to completely paralyze us, all right? We got to cut ourselves a little slack. I don't want to take all the fun out of church. Hello. I know what we're saying when we say, oh, I'll send the fire. We're really not saying, cook me. And we know what we're saying when we say when you walk in the room. We know he's here, but we want him to be a little more here, right? That's what we're saying. Yeah, you're here, but even what is that one song? Even though you're here, Lord, come. We just say it this way. More, Lord. I get all of that. I don't want us to stop, but I also want us to, to understand something here because I've sat in services, not here, I've sat in services where they sang over and over the line, set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control, for over an hour. <clears throat> we used to sing in revival days. We didn't much because I had a struggle with it, but... It was hard being my words bleeder. I said, no, I don't sing that song. Man. And um, But we'd sing, just like fire shut up in my bones. I mean, remember that. Just like fire shut up in my bones, the Holy Ghost and fire is my heart's desire. See, Holy Ghost and fire, that third person of the Trinity. Just like fire shut up in my bones. And that's in the scripture one time. Fire shut up in my bones. And it's Jeremiah 
and Jeremiah was mad at God, and uh, which is never a good idea. I'm telling you, it is just never a good idea. It's never a good idea. And uh, one one year I said, if you're mad at God, just tell him. The best thing to do is just tell him. Well, some people took it like, oh, it's okay to be mad at him. I wasn't saying that. It's called confessing your sin. <laughs> I wasn't saying it's all right to be mad at him. I'm saying tell him, get the conversation started because you're in a bad way right now, right? And so uh, we, um, what was I saying? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jeremiah was mad at God because God told him he was going to be a prophet to the nations. It had been like 40 years and he hadn't been out of Jerusalem yet. And he was tired of preaching to them because they were like putting him in mud up to his neck and, you know, throwing stuff on him and beating him. And, and uh, so you, you can see where the relationship was tense. And, uh, and so he said, oh, sovereign Lord, you have deceived me. You lied to me. And, and he, he could have died that way because he never preached anywhere but Jerusalem. But you're reading this stuff, and so is everybody on the planet So in every nation. So he is a prophet to the nations, but he just didn't know it at the time he died. But he's, ah, you deceived me. So he got mad, and he said, I'm not preaching anymore. One Monday morning he said, I am done. I will not preach anymore in his name. And he said, but his word was in me like a fire shut up in my bones, and I could not withhold it. He wasn't talking about the Holy Ghost is a fire in my bones. Woo! It wasn't shouting fire. He was going, I, I decided I'm not preaching anymore, but the Word of God was burning in me when I walked down the street, and before I knew it, I'm standing on the street corner going, Hey, hear the Word of the Lord. It's the Word of God that makes you burn. The psalmist said in Psalm 39.3, he said, while I was musing, which means meditating, the fire burned. Pray for fire all you want, but, but you want to know how to be on fire on the inside? Meditate on the Word. Take the Word into your heart. The Word, let it run swiftly like a fire. You want to be on fire for God? Hide the Word in your heart. We've seen so much revival, so much of that here. But who is still here and who is still running? It's the ones who hid the Word of God in their heart are the ones that are still here. Not the ones that even had the most impressive encounters in those revival days. Where are they? Who's here? The ones that that encounter led them into the Word of God. There's an element of God that is only described as fire. Hebrews 12, 29 says, Our God is a consuming fire. And on the day of Pentecost, He manifested His tongues of fire. I get that. But you know, that's the last reference to Him as that in the New Testament is in Acts chapter 2. Hebrews 12, 29 is talking about judgment. The, the entire passage, He said, For you've not come to the mountain that... that uh, burned with fire and blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of trumpet and the voice of words so that those who heard it begged that the word not be spoken to them anymore. And he says, and he goes on and says, but you've come to 
the heavenly Mount Zion to Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem to the city of the living God. And he says, therefore, do not refuse him who speaks, because if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on the earth at that earthly mountain that was burning with fire, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice once shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, yet once more, and I will shake not only the earth but the heaven. Now this yet once more indicates a removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, so the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. It's a, it's a judgment verse. The context is judgment. The context of Matthew 3 is judgment. See, when he preached that, when, when, he, when, when it was declared that he was the, the forerunner, the one going before, Isaiah said, going before the face of the Lord, saying, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. It was a reference to Malachi chapter 3. I want you to turn there because I want you to see it. Malachi chapter 3 says, Behold, I send my messenger. And he will prepare the way before me. How many know we're talking about John the Baptist here? I will send my messenger and he will prepare my way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. So, woohoo, this is good news. The Messiah is coming, right? Oh, it's great news. If John the Baptist is the forerunner, and he's preparing the way, that means the Messiah is coming. So if it's such good news, why are they all getting baptized and confessing their sins? You know, I, I thought about that a few weeks ago when I was looking at that verse, and I thought they were confessing their sins while they got baptized. That would be the most interesting baptism service ever. Really? Really? How many know everybody would come to the baptism service? <laughs> hey, you, you want to hang out Sunday afternoon? No, we have baptism service. Oh, you got to go to that? No, I want to go to that. <laughs> There's stuff I've been wondering about for years <laughs> that's going to get cleared up tomorrow. <laughs> How many know what I'm saying? Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be awesome if everybody was confessing their sins in the baptism tank? Like Bob Bartlett said, he got saved when he was 15. He goes to the altar. This old lady comes down and says, Son, you want to get saved? Yep. Well, confess all your sins. He said, All of them? She said, Yep. He said, So I started in one by one. He said, You know what kind of sins a 15-year-old boy is doing? He said, 20 minutes later, I was saved, but that old lady ain't been the same since. The Lord whom you seek will suddenly come, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. How many vote? It's all good news up to this point, right? He is coming. We want him to come. Even so, come, Lord. But who can endure the day of his coming? Oh, yeah, because we have so much respect for him. 
So who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering of righteousness. So these guys understood the context of John's ministry was repentance to prepare the way for the Lord to come, that he could not come until they repented. And that was for their safety. As I've told you before, see, he, he doesn't come and you get revival. He's got revival hat on one day and judgment hat on the other. No, he just comes and wherever you're at, that's what you get. So very often, before a revival hits, God in his mercy starts cleaning house. Before the revival hit here in 96, crazy stuff started getting revealed. Am I right? John, insane stuff you shouldn't have had to deal with in church. It wasn't in the manual from Bible college how to deal with it. Are you people crazy? He was revealing stuff. And you know what happened? The whole house got afraid. The fear of God came on the whole house. Everybody started hanging out at the altar and praying and asking God to forgive them and not tell their stuff to everybody. <laughs> and then revival hit. And then, of course, we went through the whole thing, the whole cycle again and again and again. But there was a cycle of exposure and repentance before he ever came. And that's his mercy. Because if you walk into the middle of that and that and, and, you, and you disrespect him, then you have Ananias and Sapphira. So it's always amazed me, the, the, the guy that, that got struck down for touching the ark of God had probably played on it for 20 years or around it. And now... It's forbidden to touch it? Yeah, because it was coming back into order. It was coming back to the place it was intended to be, and the presence of God was increasing. And there's stuff you can get away with in a dead church where people don't care about God that you can't get away with when the presence of the Lord starts to intensify. I'll just tell you straight out, he ain't coming where there's no fear. So they understood this. If he's the forerunner, then he's got to make his path straight because who can, who, can, who can stand his coming? Who can abide his coming? He would be like a refiner's fire. And they understood that. That when he comes, he will be like a refiner's fire. There's going to be fire. And it's going to, it's going to reveal and it's going to purify. Have you ever heard the story of, of uh, back when the Spaniards were first coming over here looking for gold? 
and they wanted to take shiploads of gold back to Ferdinand and Isabella because, you know, the whole thing had the cash flow. And so they took some shiploads of what they thought was gold back to the old world, and then, of course, you have to purify it, right? And how you purify it was they heat it up. They put it to the fire. And when you, when you put gold to the fire, it melts. And what they call the dross comes to the top, which is the stuff that isn't gold. And they skim it off. And then they heat it some more, and the, the bad stuff comes to the top, and they skim it off. And they keep doing that until they get as close, 24 karat, I guess, is as close as they can get to pure and, and that's still pretty much the process, although now it's a little more scientific and there's chemicals involved. But how many know what happens? Fool's gold is called pyrite. How many know what happens when you heat it up? It stinks. It smells like sulfur. How many have ever smelled sulfur? How many have ever grew up or lived in a town where they had to close the school down occasionally because you couldn't stand the smell? As I have to in Oklahoma. Sometimes we get to school, and when we get there, they would meet us at the door and say, no school today, because we always had sulfur. I mean, we couldn't smell it on us, but the kids from the other towns could. And, uh, but some days it was so bad that you couldn't go in there. And that's what pyrite smells like when you heat it up. It doesn't, doesn't purify. It, it, it stinks. And that's what some Christians are like when the fire comes to them. They just stink. They don't purify. They just smell. <clears throat> you know, there is Solomon made 500 shields out of gold. Now, they weren't for war because they were too heavy to carry into battle, and gold is not a hard metal, so they were impractical, and you didn't want to lose any of them anyway. <laughs> But they were for show, and they would have them out for parades. But when they weren't doing parades, they, they hung them up in a prominent place in one of the palaces and in one of the public areas where, where everybody could see because it because it was for the glory. Everyone say glory. It was a glory thing. So this is the part of the glory of the kingdom. We have 300 large, 200, or 300 small, 200 large shields, 500 shields made out of gold. And then after David or after Solomon died, Rehoboam ended up losing them to the king of Egypt. I mean, they were king of Egypt came and just carried off everything. So now we got a problem. Now we don't have the gold shields, which are a sign of our glory. So you know what he did? He made brass shields. And you know what he would do? He would shine them up to where they looked like gold and bring them out for the parades. And then as soon as the parade was over, they took them back and hid them in storage and locked them away so nobody could see that they weren't the real thing. You can shine them up for church, but then you better go hide them afterwards because they're not really gold. So fire is going to do two things. It's going to purify and it's going to reveal. It's going to reveal whether it's really gold and it's going to purify that gold. And so he says, who warned you to flee from wrath to come? He said, look, guys, 
And here's our great passage. <clears throat> He's talking about axes being laid to the roots of trees and stuff being cut down and, and all of this stuff. And he goes, I indeed baptize you with water, but there comes one after me who's mightier than I. He'll baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Oh, Holy Spirit and fire. No, the Holy Spirit and fire. Two different things. All right? They would have understood this fire reference. When John the Baptist said that, they would not have thought, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. Woo! They would have thought is a refiner's fire. Jesus made reference to this at times. Remember when James and John's mom came to him and, and was politicking for her boys? You know, uh, uh, James and John, one on your right side, one on, one on your left. What do you think? Right? You got two sides. We all know Peter's a flake. All right? So, and he, he said to her, what do you wish? And she said to him this in Matthew 20, grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand, the other on your left, in your kingdom. And Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Are you able? But but you know what? It's cool you ask. I mean, you you ought to ask something once in a while that where God just says, "Are you nuts?" <laughs> That's probably not even sound theologically, but you know, if if. I just think if every prayer you ever prayed was answered, you left something on the table probably. Anyway, you don't know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? And he's asking this of them. And be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? Now let me ask you a question. Has the Holy Spirit already come upon him at this point? When did the Holy Spirit come on him? At his baptism. When he started his ministry, right? So has the Holy Spirit already come upon him at this point? Yes. Are you able to be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? They said to him, we are able. So he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptism with the b baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with, but to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but is for those for whom it is prepared by my Father. Now, it sounds like, okay, he must be talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But then he clarifies it in Luke chapter 12, the parallel passage. He says, I'm come to send fire on the earth. Everyone say fire. I am come to send fire on the earth. And that's what we've been asking for, send the fire. All right. He said, I'm come to send fire on the earth. And how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how distressed I am till it is accomplished. He'd already been baptized with the Holy Spirit. But there was another baptism that he was looking at. Now it seems to me 
that everybody else outside the church gets this because they have a term they use, trial by fire. Am I right? The whole world talks about that except the charismatic church in America. Other Christians, secular people, people who know God, everybody knows what it means to be tried by fire except us. And, and it was our Lord that instituted the phrase. James 1, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. 1 Peter 1 and 6, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. This is why he said count the cost. Before you say yes to Jesus, that's why that gospel that's being preached that says, you know, slip up your hand right back down, just come down and only take five minutes and you're done, is it is absolute blasphemy. It is absolute heresy. Jesus said count the cost. There is a cost. Salvation is not free. said count the cost because he told you going in that it was going to involve a cross did he not did he not he told you going in that this was going to involve a cross remember what Leonard Ravenhill said too about a cross he said when you saw a man walking down the street with a cross on his back you knew he wasn't coming back You reminded me of that a few weeks ago. I thought, file. He told you going in that you would drink his cup and be baptized with his baptism. And these old saints understood it. Remember um, in, in Acts 14, it says, When they preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, quote, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Romans 5, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith in His grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Romans 8, 16, therefore the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. If so be that we have children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we might also be glorified together. For I consider, everyone say consider, 
What did he say? Count the cost. Consider. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who, who subjected it in him hope. Because the creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. And we know the whole creation groans and labors and birth pains together until now. So you try to you try to explain every weather thing that happens, every crazy thing that happens, and it's either God or it's the devil. No, no. What it is is the 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 whole earth is groaning and laboring. Some of this stuff will happen without without any spiritual force behind it. We know the whole creation groans and labors and birth pains together until now. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we've been saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit helps in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. And the context here is we're going through some stuff. But the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. I don't care how bad it is. If you are gold, if your faith is genuine, then fire will do nothing but purify it. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose, and this is His purpose. For whom He foreknew, these He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He predestined, these He also called. Whom He called, these He also justified. And whom He justified, these He also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, this is a man that has suffered. He who did not spare his own son but delivered up for his all, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who's condemned? who condemns? It is Christ who died, furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril sword, as is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. He knew this going in. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded. Everyone say persuaded. That means he went through a process that got him to that place. Maybe there was a time he wasn't persuaded, but now he is. I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And yet, you know what I've come to believe about that? What he had gone through had persuaded him that no matter what happened, 
God would never abandon him. That's what I was talking about last week. No matter what, he will never leave us or forsake us. And he was persuaded of that. But I think he's also saying, and this is kind of my punchline, or at least the start of it, I think he's also saying, and I've only got an hour left, so he's also saying, I am persuaded that I won't abandon him. St. Corinthians 4, we are hard-pressed on every side. This is what he went through. Yet not crushed, we are perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life of Jesus may be manifest in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. He goes down and he says, Therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So this is the, the greatest apostle that ever lived, who's crying out to know him. And, and, and I think what he's saying in Romans 8 is, what I've gone through and the truth of the scripture has persuaded me that not only will he never leave me or forsake me, but it has persuaded me that I will never leave him or forsake him. I have gone through some stuff, and I know that by his grace I can be faithful. And remember when the, the 12 got beaten for preaching? They, they were arrested, and they were on trial, and the... And this is how crazy it was. Gamaliel stood up and said, leave these guys alone because if this is of God, you don't want to be fighting against God. And he said, they agreed with him. They agreed with him. He said, get away from these guys and leave them alone. They agreed with him and then beat them. So that's kind of agreeing with you. And they left there. And How many of you have seen that where they said they were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name? Why is that? Why were they rejoicing at that moment? I mean, because you know, we're kind of like that. We have a little bit of an altercation with somebody over the gospel, and we come in and testify about it. Yeah, and then they said this, and I said that, and then they said this, and I said that, and then I unfriended them. So, I'm a man of God. But they were beaten. And he told them they would be. They're going to haul you in front of us. They're going to beat you in my name. I mean, they're going to beat you in the name of God and say they're doing God a favor. And they, and they rejoiced. Why? Because they knew this. Is my faith genuine? Well, they had to know their faith was genuine. Listen, guys, it's only been a few months since they all forsook him and fled. And one of them said, I don't know him. No, I don't know him. Well, you talk like a Galilean. I don't know him. <laughs> See, you know, I mean, that's no, this is it hadn't been that long. Hello. 
And you know somebody's mentioning it. Hey, Peter, let's hear that voice that you're using with the little girl that you were afraid of. I mean, this is, this is real stuff. It hadn't been that long since they said, we don't know when all of them fled. And they're told, their master has told them, there'll be many that'll say, we've done all these things that they've been doing for a couple chapters in your name. Casting out demons, healing sick people, prophesying. None of that's proof. Listen to me. None of that is proof. And they know this. They know what proof is. There's going to be a baptism of fire. You're going to suffer. You're going to be mocked, abused, beaten. You're going to have stuff come at you that makes no sense. Lose friends, you're going to have all this kind of stuff happen. You lost your job, your 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 spouse abandoned you. All this kind of stuff will happen. These things happen. This bothered me when I was a young Christian. I I I think I don't want to go through anything. I I, I literally would think I know there's going to be stuff happen, and I don't want it to. I don't want it to happen. I don't want to suffer. How many honest enough to admit that? I mean, that was, as a young Christian, that was, seriously, I was like, I don't want to suffer. Ever. Some the Bruce I am. Uh, But I knew it was coming. And then it comes, and somehow you come out the other side of it, and you're not sure how, because God enables you to forget a lot of it in His grace and mercy, and you don't even remember a lot of what it was like when you were in it. And you come out the other side, and you go, Paul said, having obtained help from God, To this day I continue. And you come out the other side and you go, well, I'm (laughs) I'm still a Christian. (laughs) I I still love him. I (laughs) I didn't walk away. Can I get real with you just for a second? What was it, Rhonda, maybe five years in? Five years in, I mean, you've heard my radical conversion experience. Maybe five years in, John and Ruby were with us at this time, too. Horrible, horrible time. Suffering. Heartbreaking suffering. And, and I came to the time, because again, think about this, beloved. How many people have you seen walk away from God because... People at church are jerks and they're hypocrites and they were mean to me and they, and uh, and and there was some, there was some, you know, there was some, 
my friend Chris Walker says age and treachery will win out over youth and zeal almost every time, right? And and it did. <laughs> and there were people involved that were good at driving people to the mat. And am I right? Your family's experienced some of this. And, and literally destroying them. And some of the people we were dealing with were, were good at it. They were anointed for it. And as I came through that, everything in me said, to heck with this. That, that one lie that people buy into. People in the world are, love people better than this, which is a lie. I was happier when I was in the world, which is a lie. To hell with this! I think I'm done. I don't even want any of this. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to be around any Christians. I don't want any of came to that place. I'm walking down the sidewalk of Green Forest, Arkansas. And God knows where that is. <laughs> and I said, help me. I don't even want to do this anymore. But where can I go? You alone have the words of eternal life. I can't walk away from God. No matter how much I don't want to do this anymore, I cannot do this. I cannot, I will not walk away from him and it wasn't I, I would like to say that's what I was saying last week then he moved in the stillness no I didn't feel nothing it would have been great right at that moment for him to move in the stillness Zach and went I'm with you no I felt nothing when did you start feeling again two years later alright John John kept me from jumping off of buildings for two years yeah. And and I just now I'm gonna I'm gonna serve him. But I didn't film for two years. And um I'm gonna forgive people and I'm gonna get through. I'm gonna pray to a God I don't feel. I'm gonna read a Bible I'm Desperately wanting to still believe. And I will walk this out for the next 50 years exactly like this if that's what I have to do. And it wasn't the only hard time I've gone through 
in 40 years of serving God, but that was the worst. And I came out the other side. I'm not even sure when. It's just some of these things, some of these things, beloved, it's like one day you wake up and realize you're not in it anymore. Some of these days you, you, wake, some, you wake up and realize you didn't have to remind yourself to breathe today. How many know what I'm talking about? And I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. I wouldn't. But how many have heard me preach the sermon, The Order of the Breaking of Bread? Because that's what it is. And I remember Drew was going something three or four years ago, and he came to me, and he sat down and poured his heart out. And I said, man, Drew, the only thing I can tell you, I prayed and asked the Lord, please don't break my son. And then he told me, well, he's my son. I'll do what I want with him. And so... You're in the order of the breaking of bread. <laughs> and, um, but you come through it all, Jonathan, and you're out on the other side, and it doesn't mean that it didn't cost you something, that some things aren't changed, and that there's not, doesn't mean that everything's, no, some things are never the same. But you realize this. Having obtained help from God, to this day I continue. I, I, I came through that. So the answer is, how, how do I know that I'm for real? How do I know that I'm not going to stand there and him go, I never knew you? That's how you know. The baptism by fire. You walk away from him when the fire hits. It's proof that you're a fool's gold. You walk through it and come through the other side just a little more pure. That is the proof. Peter said, the genuineness of your faith. What does it mean to have genuine faith? It means you really are one of his that the proof of the genuineness of your faith so like I said you're not going to like the answer I'm going to give you of how you know because the answer is he's going to pour fire on you and it's going to hurt like heck and you're going to hate every minute of it and then you're going to come out the other side and go whoa <laughs> but he will try you and you were supposed to have been told that before you ever accepted him. That's because that's the gospel. And, and my apologies. It hasn't necessarily been what's been preached here or anywhere else. You say yes to Jesus, he will crush the life out of you. come forth like pure gold and some of you I've watched you over years now and seen you go through stuff that even I go dear God please don't ever ask me to walk through that 
and I've watched them walk through it. Kicking and screaming a little, <laughs> but walk through it. Why? Because they have the real thing. Let's stand. Did that help you? No, now I'm freaked out. <laughs> shock me now, don't shock me later. But if you have not, so, see, some of you just know. You just, you actually just know that though you've hung around church for years, you know that you have never given it all to the king and said, my whole life is yours. And the fact is, you don't need fire to know that you don't know him. You know you don't know him. That's something you can fix today. You don't have to come shake my hand, pray a prayer with me. I'm not the mediator between God and man. Jesus is. But you can't hold anything back. It's all His. Father, thank you for the fire. Forgive us if we didn't thank you for the fire while we were in the fire. But thank you for bringing us through. Sometimes you bring us through without even a smell of smoke. And sometimes we smell like smoke. And that's okay, too. We thank you for that. Father, I pray, God, that there not be one person here, Lord, that doesn't respond in faith, Lord, to your gracious offer of forgiveness and repentance and eternal life. I pray that there not be one person in this room that goes into eternity not knowing you. And I pray, God, for their faith, Lord, that their faith would not fail. Don't let their faith fail, God, just as you prayed for Peter, that his faith wouldn't fail. Don't let their faith fail, God. Strengthen it. Give them help. Bring them through, Father, as pure gold. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'll leave you with this. The Lord whispered to me once at the end of a thing. He said, good and faithful, thou well-done servant. Some of you will get that later.
fire. So pray for the fire, but then duck. Amen. God bless y'all.